Welcome to Criminal Jines, a comedic true crime watch-along podcast where we watch Criminal Minds, all 15 seasons, and discuss the true crime that can be linked, however indirectly, to the episode. We're your hosts, Stacey Johnson and Veronica Shea, and this week we're joined by Anastasia Washington in discussing Season 2, Episode 7, North Mammon. Anyway, I have to itch. Are you itching your... Yeah, don't put that on the thing. Cut that one out. <laughs> oh my god. She's so embarrassing. <laughs> I couldn't help it. You know, like when something's Thank you that we need to scratch. Oh, metaphor for life. You can keep that. <laughs> okay, in. but this care. isn't a sexual thing. Now people think you're like horny. No. Uh, oh. Oh, I just meant like I just really had an itch. Yeah. Wait. I mean maybe both. I don't know. Don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, Anastasia, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. You guys weren't scared away. No. (laughs) And thank you for having us on your panel at Comic-Con. I'm so glad. Very excited. Oh my god, I'm so excited. (laughs) So fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're talking, this is episode 29, season 2, episode 7, North Mammon. Let's see. We open on a sleepy middle America town at the high school pep rally football bonfire. Say Uh, that five times fast. I don't think I could. High school pep rally football bonfire. High school pep rally football bonfire. High school pep rally football bonfire. It's the football that really fucks you up. Yeah, exactly. Go on. Yeah. In life. Life. Uh, But three girls are in the car listening to it on the radio. Two of them are being snippy at each other, and one of them uh, has a cold. I never learned their names. I didn't even know why they were listening to it on the radio. I was like, do they actually broadcast this stuff on the radio? Right? In small towns, America, yes. Okay. Yeah, did you not see Friday Night Lights? Anastasia, okay, they're all high school. I kind of did. I I kind of did. It's a thing. I don't know. I don't understand it, but... Here we are. So they're hanging out for the weekend at one of their father's houses who's gone. One of the girls gets abducted via lasso in the street. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and that, I, th- I saw that and I was like, I was like, oh, okay. But then I saw a Winnie the Pooh blood and honey and I was like, oh, they just jacked it from. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the unsub quickly abducts the other two, one from the shower. They're being held in an underground cellar of sorts in tank tops and shorts and Obviously. no shoes. Obvi. They have to choose which of the three is going to die so the other two can live. That's all in the cold open. Yes. So JJ's aunt gets JJ to take a meeting with one of the girl's mothers. She presents to the team. The girls have been gone for five days. They left identical voicemails to their families about skipping out for a last girls trip road trip. And JJ is sure that they're missing because they're varsity athletes and wouldn't jeopardize any kind of scholarship that they're going to get. JJ is hardcore identifying with these victims like she thinks she's been abducted at this point. The voicemails all mentioned that they'd be back Friday, which means they're most likely still alive and the team has two days to find them. Great. Yeah. The team Um, in on it. I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot going on. (laughs) I mean, because nobody ever gets a scholarship and ruins it, ever. (laughs) Never, ever. So the team shows up and the cops are skeptical about the girls even being abducted. Everyone seems to know everybody else's business. Again, small town America. We find out that the mom who met with JJ is on antidepressants. (gasps) I know. I loved that this was such a big deal. Yeah. for Wait, this. hold on. I have to take my antidepressant. No, I was like, listen, <laughs> like, put it. We, we got the anti-anxiety. They were like, we the she's crazy. And she's she was like, depressed about her life being a single mother and being left. Oh, my God. Yeah, How dare Lord. she emote as a Jesus. human? <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. And then they find like 20 cigarette butts at an area that's perfect for surveillance. He can see all three girls' houses from, oop from one spot so i know so they send the butts for dna analysis hi millie you want to come say hi but yeah come here come up can say hi she's like she's like i didn't want to really she's like i didn't want any part of this actually (laughs) she's like god let me go woman (laughs) um okay we really just okay they find one of the girls cars abandoned Mm -hmm. and back down in the cellar brooke the only girl's name i know (laughs) is getting sicker (laughs) 
they also all like kind of look the same. It was like this is bad. They do look very similar. The yeah. two, the two uh, blondish ones, but the curly haired one, I was like, oh, okay, now I know which. The, but right, yeah. Later on, I got really confused. Oh my god, yeah. me too. <laughs> at the very end, and I was like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Brooke is the curly haired one. She's yeah. the one whose mom came to the FBI to bring JJ. Okay. Yeah. So Brooke's our girl, but she's getting sicker. Brooke is also, I think, maybe the smartest one because she has to explain to us what sensory deprivation is and what starvation is and how it will work on them to make them choose which one's going to die. Mm. Right. So good job, Brooke. Now she reads or something, you know? Yeah. That's why her hair is so curly. <laughs> it's full of secrets. It's full of secrets. It's full of knowledge. Yeah. So stupid. The profile points to a predatory abductor, someone in the community who knows the families very well, someone who has created a nest for the girls before he kidnapped them. He has a relationship or a job that allows him to have access to them and wouldn't have been at the pep rally because obviously he abducted them at that time. Back in the dungeon, the friends are turning on each other. As Brooke gets sicker, she's convinced that the bitchy friend is waiting till she's a lot sicker to basically turn her over as the one who's going to die to the abductor. Meanwhile, we get the DNA back from the cigarette butts and it's the girl's soccer coach. We learn that the drama. lawyer- Yeah, major drama. We <laughs> learn that the girl's father, who is a lawyer, got him off on a charge of soliciting an underage sex worker Which a while so back. Which is so smart then to like get him a job like yes. with your daughter, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah, I thought that that part was kind of weird. I was like, um- Like, dude. I- Wait, what? But he helped them, obviously, because they used to play football in high school together mm-hmm. and team bonds run deep. So yeah, deeper fuck than his daughter. father bonds of safety. I'm Good God. So then a garbage man finds the girls' soccer uniforms in a dumpster behind a motel. The team collects the motel registry and find out that the lawyer father stays there once a month under a different name and pays the front desk clerk to look the other way because he meets a man friend there who has a wife and two kids. Not a man! Ooh. And also, like, why don't you go out of town? Like, yeah, why are you staying in town? You have the means, like, yeah, just go a little bit further. And it's not like next town over. Yeah, and they stay there for a whole week. Like, you've got to leave and eat and stuff. Like, or unless you're ordering takeout, like. The just whole go thing to, like, is like so casino crazy. or like Vegas for a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me plan your rendezvous is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a very sexy gay I just time. Had the best business idea. Oh my gosh. We will plan with the utmost secretiveness. Mm-hmm. your rendezvous for you for a flat right? fee for mm-hmm. a flat fee mm-hmm. perfect we will organize we'll... it we will also be alibis for exactly okay yeah. i like this we yeah. might not be the alibi we'll provide we might alibis. not be the alibis we yeah. will just play we'll i was like yeah well uh, semantics anyways we'll, moving we'll on figure it out for sure. hire us today <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god what would it be called stace Ronde who? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Back in the basement, the bitchy friend is convincing the other friend that their friend is so sick, she's going to die anyway. So we might as well hand her over to the abductor. So they're right. like, sir, we know which one of us is going to die. He throws two hammers down the stairs for them to bludgeon their friend to death with. Well, I mean, he didn't express like say that. He could have just been like, "Here's some hammers." That's true for like Hammer some time. home improvement. <laughs> I loved that show, Home Improvement. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Could have been just cueing a TV show or a dance break. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So now the team is like running around in circles with all of the family's drama bullshit. And they're like, look, who he's implicated might be as important as who he's abducted. Mm. So they call all of the parents back and they're like, we all got to talk, y'all. Every parent blames the other one and the other people's kids. Naturally. Meanwhile, two of the girls splattered with blood and wrapped in blankets are let out of the cellar. And their cell phones come back on alerting Garcia, who lets the team know they are like right outside the precinct. So we find out that the bitchy friend has been bludgeoned to death by the other two. 
And we find out that all of the men folk were on the last championship football team and the state championship is tonight. So this whole thing was because of football. JJ brings in the framed team like photo from 1984 and it's like hanging in the police office for some reason. Again, Naturally. small town America is weird okay. about football. Sure. Okay. So for I don't of, get it. She gives it to one of those traumatized bloody girls <laughs> and mm-hmm. she points to the guy who was the garbage man who found the jerseys and she was like, that's him. They rush to his residence and into his storm cellar where they find him sitting with bitchy friend's dead body. And that's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> bitchy friend's dead body is the best description. She sucked. She sucked from the get go. Like she wasn't nice. She wasn't nice. She wasn't empathetic. And she yeah. How did they like recognize him so quickly from a high school photo? High school photo. Also, this might have been like naive of me to think, but I was like, did they have colored photos in the eighties? Like yes, color print. (laughs) I know. I did. I had a moment. I was like, shouldn't that be in black and white? No, it was in black and white, wasn't it? No, No, it was in color. Oh, yeah, I thought it was. In I also thought it was in white. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, they had color photos even during the civil rights movement, and they make them black and white, so it seems like a further time. Yeah, like time further period. away. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Wow, so, way to bring it down, Anastasia. Thanks so much. You're for having fun with the bitchy bludgeoning. <laughs> white people suck. This is our segment. White people suck. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get Aviv to do the intro? <laughs> yes. Gimme, gimme white people. <laughs> we'll workshop that. That can't be the correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. There we go. But we do get Shamar. We do. Gimme, gimme more. Also, like, he, like, does this leap. <laughs> this, like, inhuman leap at the suspect. Oh, I was he did, and I was just like, "Whoa, where did that come from?" He was very so, aggro and very I like, know. I don't know, superhero. It was not. It did not meet the energy of the rest of the episode. Right. It didn't match yeah. the level of like what we were anticipating. His no, reaction like, to be. Yeah, I was like, "How did you even do that? How?" You know, he needed to do something actiony. Was it Shamar or what's his name that said they sent her out to get coffee and then she comes back with the picture and he, he's like, "Where's the coffee?" <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> I didn't. I you were getting coffee. You, were, you had so one job. Funny. You had <laughs> one job here. I don't know why you that bug made me laugh so much. Where's the coffee? <laughs> Coffee. Like I'm coffee? so tired. We've been working for two days straight. Where coffee. is the coffee? Oh my god, I cannot. Oh my but we god. all got this photo. I'm pulling it up. Oh, yeah. here's your show. Okay. Yeah, it's great. A little yeah. moody, broody side eye. I was here for it. Yeah, we got a lot of him. We didn't get enough Matthew. Gray so. Goobler. Yeah. yeah, I like a gray Goobler. We all yeah. love a Goobs. I love a goobs. goobs. We all love a goobs. I'm just going back to when he hugged me that one time. Oh my god! Yeah, can you? Can you not? That's so rude. Okay. I'm looking at this. I am dead. Stace, you wanna? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. Three, because I feel like I just want. It was a little lacking in nudity. What? Yeah, nudity. I wanted more. I wanted more of that. His character takes a turn, and he's just shirtless all the time. And people are like, "Can you put a shirt on? This is a courtroom." And he's like, "Gotta no. give the people what they want." It's just like a tie over. He's like, looks like a Chippendale at all times. Oh my god! Inexplicably oiled. Like, what it's, are you oh doing? It's about god. ratings, okay? It's about yeah. ratings. They're like, <laughs> we're at a crime scene in the woods. Can you maybe put on some clothes? No, absolutely not. Your baby oil is dripping on the corpse. Can you please? Oh my god, your baby oil. <laughs> You've contaminated the whole scene. Anyway. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I think a three and a half. You know, yeah. he's got a little quirky Bring back side the Yeah, the halfsies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a little smirky on his face, but, you know, if I saw that, like, across the bar, I'd probably be like, okay. <laughs> You would yeah. not. If you saw this across the bar. I would. I would. I would. <laughs> your I'm... panties would be soaking and you'd be like, where can we go? Are you? He's so beautiful. Look I'm very that. picky. Yeah. I'm not fair. picky enough, but I'm very picky. 
<laughs> I'm giving him a four. This is moody, broody. The DP finally got to have fun with lighting. It doesn't look like a normal cereal. He's got a big watch. That's fun. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, are talking about the watch because that's important. <laughs> I'm here for accessories. Okay. The man can put himself together. If you're noticing his accessories, this is not a hot enough photo. <laughs> okay. You shouldn't even notice that if he is wearing clothes. <laughs> noticing accessories and lighting choices, it's not hot enough. <laughs> Which is why I gave it a three. <laughs> you should done. notice nothing else <laughs> oh my god you should be like he's in a so room amazing. what <laughs> where is he i did what? not even notice what's that's, happening that's the hotness level you need oh my gosh okay. that's the hotness level we deserve <laughs> oh my god that's fair okay well we'll just transition over to something very not hot ariel ohio. castro <laughs> yeah. also ohio where they were not hot oh, ariel castro kidnappings i remember this hap like like unfolding right? like it was yeah. insanity yeah because we were in high school when this was happening so was i yeah yeah it, it was i just remember being like i think i was in my 12th year of college but let's continue well <laughs> your 12th year of college i just never like left i was just like i'm here and then finally i was like i gotta get out of here this is not working out anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> gonna move on but yes this was 2013 when he was yes when yeah. he was we were not in- caught yeah we yeah. were in high school no we weren't in high school at that but the abduction happened oh yeah during well we didn't know about it yet obviously but it happened between 2002 and 2004 in which mm. are we just getting right into it yeah, yeah. Into it. i'm ready are we ready i mean yeah. i've braced myself i'm ready let's yeah, hit it I'm here so between 2002 i'm just gonna talk about the overall bit and then i'll dive into a little bit on mr i don't like calling him mr castro that sounds too like nice. yeah you do that a lot you do that I with do the that. toolbox killers i, I know like, why are we like, respecting i don't him? like that we're not gonna say that ariel castro asshole um, castro there it is i love it there's so, too many he- asshole castro so you know there's castro <laughs> Uh, asshole kidnapping Castro. That also maybe to um, will not will Ohio Castro. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So between the years of 2002 and 2004, Ariel Castro abducted three women: Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina De Jesus from the streets of. Cleveland, Ohio. He ended up keeping them captive in his home until 2013 when Barry herself was actually able to escape with her six-year-old daughter whom she had given birth to while being captive and was able to contact the police and subsequently a few hours later the other two women were rescued yeah so i remember the house like that's my most vivid memory was the house on the news yeah i remember seeing a picture of it yeah, this is wild. The like brick house that's two level. The because it looks, it's like a nice house. It just looks normal, and it yeah, just looks like- it is a nice house. And what's crazy is like it was a really beautiful house big house too it was a very big house and it was in a really suburban neighborhood of cleveland there were some signs that it was a creepy house though i will say there was like an american eagle and an american flag automatically i'm like you're a creepo (laughs) yeah but not at that time oh no oh for me yeah oh that's fair yeah. Yeah. So Ariel Castro, he was born in Puerto Rico. Which is part of America. Yes. Yes. I just wanted yes. to know if the president is, the uh, former president is listening. Is part Pop of your country. Quiz. <laughs> when did Puerto Rico become part of the United States? Yesterday. 1978. <laughs> oh. I'm going to actually look because I don't know myself. <laughs> you asked the this is my mo and i can't believe i'm gonna say this because now it's gonna out me whenever i say that it's because i don't know the answer but i want people to think i know the answer to oh. it and so, so i don't think anyone thought you knew the answer 
I did. I was like, she's asking a question because she has it in front of her. Okay, well, we have now disproved my theory (laughs) that curly hair means you're smart. (laughs) There's knowledge in there. It's just very specific knowledge. But it gets clogged in the where it has to yeah. get around the curve. So, kind of. thank you for understanding. <laughs> Puerto Rico became a territory in the Treaty of Paris back in 1898. That's what I said yeah. yesterday. Yep. More than 70 years which, ago. <laughs> which also subsequently ended the Spanish-American War. Yeah, of Spanish course, that's War. what I said. Spanish-American yeah, absolutely. And I knew that without having to look it up. Yeah, you were just confirming facts. Correct. What year was it? 18... 1898. Oh, I was, I was... So I said 1798. No, I said 1978. And <laughs> all of those numbers are in that. No, oh. Except for seven. Except for seven. Oh, God, I was so close. I was yeah. like... You were so like, close. You're a dyslexic psychic. And I, I was like, it. wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, Ariel Castro's parents divorced when he was a kid. So, it's obviously their fault. Correct. (laughs) Actually. No, I'm just kidding. He moved to the U.S. with his mom and siblings and first lived in Pennsylvania before they ended up in Cleveland, Ohio, where I thought this was interesting, where Castro's dad and like several other family members were already living. Castro had nine siblings total. So he came from a pretty big family. There's a bug. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, Yeah, a lot of kids. That is not Uh, a clip. I don't know. That's how I roll. So here we go. Where was I? He just moved to Ohio. They just moved to Ohio. That's where he ended up settling up. And he lived there, graduated from high school in 1979. He met his girlfriend. I'm going to try, I'm going to mispronounce her name, but it's Gramilda Figueroa. (laughs) Thank you. Figueroa. Um, You have to say it like that. Not Figueroa. Figueroa. Exactly. There's like three O's in it. Yeah, exactly. It's fancy. And this was back in the 80s when they met. They lived um, with both sets of parents. So they they technically lived like across the street from each other. So they would just kind of bounce back and forth and lived with their parents for a hot minute until they moved out into their own home, which was the location. The address, they still have it listed out, is 2207 Seymour avenue the home was huge it was a two-story home 1400 square foot four bedroom it only had one bathroom though so here we are and then it did have a 700 like a huge unfinished basement it was like 760 square feet always fear an unfinished basement correct so this is when things started to go a little haywire or to be exact and to take words exactly from Figueroa's sister. She said that all hell started breaking loose after the couple moved into their new home. She, her sister claimed that Castro beat his girlfriend by breaking her nose, ribs, arms. He even caused a blood clot on her brain that resulted in an inoperable tumor. He threw her down a flight of stairs, cracked her skull. In 1993, Castro was arrested for domestic violence but wasn't indicted by a grand jury. In 1996, Figueroa moved out of the house and then ended up securing custody of their four children. Yep. Police had to actually be there and assist in the move because Castro was wigging out during this and they had to physically detain him, but they didn't end up actually pressing any charges for that. He continued after she moved out and left him to threaten and attack her. She finally filed charges in 2005, which noted the abductions happened between 2002 and 2004 with the Domestic Relations Court, which which accused Castro of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her and then also frequently abducting their daughters from her. The court granted her a temporary restraining order, but it was dismissed a few months later. She actually ended up dying in 2012 due to complications from her brain tumor. Mm. Yeah. So where did the kids go? I mean, not to him, right? 
clearly no they did not go to him they ended up going to her mother her parents so and then yeah so that's like the story and the relationship of those two so during that time so she moved out in 96 but during the time of 2002 and 2004 is when he kidnapped the three women he kidnapped his victims by offering them a ride and then would drive them to his home on seymour avenue that big house and then he took them down to the basement and then ended up restraining them. The very first victim was Michelle Knight. She disappeared in 2002 after leaving her cousin's house. She was 21 years old at the time. On the day of her disappearance, she was actually scheduled to appear in court for a child custody case. Amanda Berry was next. She was abducted in April of 2003, the day before her 17th birthday. She was last heard from like around 8 o'clock that night when she went to call her sister. The FBI initially, though, considered Amanda a runaway until about a week after her disappearance when an unidentified male used her cell phone to call her mother. So our third victim was Gina de Jesus. She almost went missing almost to the day a year later after Amanda Berry went missing. Gina was 14 years old. She was last seen at a payphone on the way home from her middle school. At the time, she was actually friends with Castro's daughter, Arlene. Shortly before Gina disappeared, she and Arlene had called Arlene's mother, Mrs. Figueroa, for permission to have a sleepover at D. Jesus's house, but Figueroa replied that they couldn't and the two girls had to end up parting ways. Arlene was actually the last person to see De Jesus before she disappeared. Gina De Jesus was under the impression that Castro was picking her up to drop her off at home and she trusted Castro because she was friends with his teenage daughter. No one actually ended up witnessing the abduction obviously or else they would have called the police and an Amber Alert wasn't even issued which angered De Jesus's father. He actually said back in 2006 that the Amber Alert should work for any missing child whether it's an abduction or a runaway a child needs to be found we need to change this law a fucking man correct but also how much do you want to bet if she was white oh right oh oh hell yeah you know what i mean that's for sure they'd have been like oh we believe you yeah correct I i hate it i hate it I'll get into their captivity and what that was like for them. But a year after De Jesus's disappearance, the FBI actually ended up releasing a composite sketch and description of uh, a man. <laughs> I had a brain fart. He was described to be Latino, 25 to 35 years old, 5 foot 10, 165 to 185 pounds, green eyes, goatee, and then possibly a really pencil thin beard. According to, ew, I I know. According (laughs) to court record, and I was like, "Where are we going with this?" Yeah. What I thought was interesting too, De Jesus was actually featured in the America's Most Wanted segment, which linked her to Barry. The disappearance received like a ton of media attention into 2012, while the families continued to hold like public vigils. Castro himself actually attended two of these vigils and reportedly participated in a search party and actually tried to get close to Gina de Jesus's family. Castro's son, Anthony, was a journalism student in 2004, and he interviewed de Jesus's mother for an article about the disappearances. Police kept the investigation open and even offered a $25,000 reward for information. According to Castro's uncle, his family knew that de Jesus's family had lived in the same neighborhood and Castro falsely claimed that he was not aware that de Jesus was a member of that family when he abducted her. So their captivity upon being kidnapped. I know, right? It's just (laughs) straight up lie. Upon being kidnapped, Castro took 
Michelle Knight to the upper floor of his house, tied her hands and feet together, and pulled her up using, like, her hands and feet and neck. He left her there for three days without food. They, prosecutors at, like, Castro's sentencing, when he ended up inevitably getting caught, wrote that diaries were actually kept by his victims. And in these diaries, they also speak of, like, forced sexual conduct, being locked in a dark room. They were constantly, like, a afraid and anticipating their next like session of abuse they would dream of someday being like escaped and reunited with their family they claimed too in these diaries that they were chained to a wall and it felt like they were being held like prisoners of war and they missed the life that they once enjoyed they also wrote of emotional abuse castro would threaten to kill them he treated them like animals constant abuse for these women they were kept in locked bedrooms where they were forced to use plastic toilets that were emptied infrequently they were fed one meal a day and allowed to shower twice a week at most and this was from i mean if you think about it 2002 for our earliest victim to 2013 essentially yes so this went on for years michelle knight also told police that cast Castro had impregnated her at least five times and had induced miscarriages each time through beatings, hitting her with dumbbells, punching her, all sorts of just ridiculous things. He starved her. Knight's grandmother told reporters, too, that she would require facial reconstruction surgery Mm. due to the beatings that she endured and lost hearing in one ear. Apparently, though, Knight also had a dog while in captivity, but Castro killed it. By, by snapping its neck after it bit him, trying to protect Michelle. Oh, baby. I know. Um, Good doggy. Gina de Jesus told law enforcement that she was raped, but did not believe that she was ever impregnated. It would be hard to tell, though, with like that much abuse. And like, if yeah. you're not eating enough, you I maybe know. also can't get pregnant. Correct. Like, it could just be basic malnutrition from yeah. that. Or you would have a forced miscarriage through that, too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So on Christmas Day of 2006, Castro allegedly ordered Knight to assist in the birth of Amanda Berry's child, which took place in like, he put her in like a small little swimming pool and threatened to kill her if the baby did not survive. At one point, the baby said- Now he wants kids? Yeah. Yeah, Now at this point, I don't know what it was, but this, he wanted- this child specifically. So there was like one point during the birth that the baby stopped breathing, but Knight was able to resuscitate the baby and Castro like would occasionally take Barry's daughter out of the house to like go visit his mother. The baby called him dad and Castro's mother, grandmother in 2013, when he showed one of his adult daughters a picture of the child and said that she was his girlfriend's daughter from like a previous relationship. He had also told others that she was his granddaughter and and Barry taught her daughter how to read and write in that time frame while in captivity. According to a statement from officers, they actually visited Castro's home only once following the kidnapping to discuss like an unrelated incident. And during this time, Castro didn't appear to be home and was like later interviewed somewhere else. So they never actually entered the home. He just like wasn't there. And I just can't help but think like what would have happened if they were able to interview him in the home? Like would they have found the dire situation and like, uh, you know, uh, I can't get past that part of it. Neighbors also said that they called police about suspicious activity observed at the home, but the police claim that they have no record of any calls like that. Castro's son, Anthony, also reported that there were certain areas of the house that were locked and inaccessible three weeks before the women inevitably escaped. Castro asked him if like Barry would ever be found and Anthony told his dad that Amanda Barry was probably likely dead to which Castro like asked him he was like oh really you think she is like so gross I know right it's like yeah so there was a news affiliate that reported that Castro recalled each of the three abductions in great detail during his interrogation when the women escaped which I'll dive into on how and indicated that they were unplanned crimes of opportunity so he didn't plan this he just 
saw an opportunity and went for it. He also said that he didn't really have an exit plan and believed that he would eventually end up being caught. He also referred to himself as cold-blooded and a sex addict. I don't believe he didn't have a plan. Like I agreed. The first one, mm-hmm. I would get like, oh, I didn't target this person specifically. But right. he obviously but created this- <laughs> a place to bring them before Correct. he picked them. If he's like stringing them up from the ceiling, you have to make that winch thing Right. Yeah. Well, and he also, what he's saying is he didn't have an exit plan. He didn't know well, sure. how he was going to end or what the end goal was here, but that he knew that he was going to end up being caught eventually, which, okay. I mean, okay. Whatever. Uh, but it sounds like he's yeah. trying to give himself like lesser crimes, which is not. Yeah. Like, like right. well, I just like did it. Like, I didn't really think about it. Yeah. What? Yeah. He meditated. Oh, yeah. I just right. happened to have this like torture <laughs> yeah. basement. I thought <laughs> maybe I should fill it. Right. Exactly. exactly. Like, right. What? Well, so what also is kind of crazy too, when police raided the home and, and ended up like getting the other two women, they found a suicide note in his house, which he ended up discussing the like abductions in it. And he wrote in there that his money and possessions should be given to the kidnapped women if he were ever caught. Like, okay. Well, that's nice. I mean, I guess. Like, they if want we're looking at from that man. Right. <laughs> but I mean, you but could sell that house for a lot of money. I would also like to point out that before his arrest, when he was 52 and he was arrested, he worked as a bus driver for the Metropolitan School District. Mm. He was fired, though, in November of 2012 for bad judgment, which included, like, just crazy stuff that he would do on the bus. He made, like, illegal U-turns with infants and toddlers on his bus. He was using his bus to go, like, grocery shopping. He actually (laughs) left – he left a child (laughs) – on the bus while he went for lunch specifically at kfc and like would often leave the bus unattended while he took a nap and at that time he was making 18 dollars and 91 cents per hour when he was arrested his home was also in foreclosure and that was due to three years of unpaid real estate taxes so oh so he, he was like so i, he left I know i'm gonna get caught because i'm not paying taxes and the bank's I, gonna come right Find these girls in the and basement. he was like and i leave you cool. my debt correct so the fact that he wrote like i am going to leave you this money and whatever i have whatever i, I have, have left you got nothing sir nobody wants your possessions especially not right. those women. yeah no one wants your shitty futon you know what i mean like correct yeah. correct so let me get to the escape so in May of 2013, Amanda Berry was finally able to escape with her daughter. She made contact with one of the neighbors. And after that, like very shortly after De Jesus and Michelle Knight were also rescued, according to police, Castro had left the house that day and Barry realized that he didn't lock the big inside door. Although the exterior storm door was bolted lock, she didn't attempt to break through the outer door at all because she had always thought that Castro was just testing her according to the police report. Previously, Castro had actually tested the women by leaving the house partially unlocked and exits like all unsecured and if they had attempted to escape he would beat them. God. Instead, Barry screamed for help when she saw neighbors through the screen door. So she didn't leave the door. She was just screaming through the door. And his neighbor, Angel Cordero, responded to the screaming but was unable to communicate with Barry because he spoke very little English. So it wasn't until another neighbor, Charles Ramsey, joined at the front door and they were able to kick a hole through the bottom of the storm door and Barry was able to crawl out through it carrying her daughter, who was six years old at the time. Ramsey said that Barry told him that she and her child were being kept inside against her will. And then uh, upon being freed, she went to the house of another Spanish like speaking mm-hmm. neighbor with one of the other neighbor's assistants. They were able to call 911. She said help me I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm here I'm free now that was taken directly from her 911 phone call yeah but also if they're like screaming at you 
and like you flag down Charles Ramsey to speak English. Why isn't Charles right. Ramsey calling the cops and being like, like immediately. something's fucking going yeah. on at this house? Yeah, I, right. Like, exactly. yeah, get him out. But like, I'm going to call the cops too yeah. because in case this guy comes back while we're breaking into his home. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's wild. Immediately. Oh, absolutely. So responding police officers they entered the home they walked through the upstairs hallway with guns ablazing and were trying to announce themselves as the police after peeking out from like one of the like slightly opened doors upstairs michelle knight entered the hallway and just leapt into the officer's arms and she just kept saying you saved me you saved me thank you so much you saved us and then soon after de jesus entered the hallway from another room again very skittish knight and de jesus walked out of the house and all three women plus the one child were taken to the nearby hospital and they were released from the hospital the very next day after getting a clear bill of health. Michelle Knight was uh, ended up having to stay for a couple of days in the hospital but was later discharged on May 10th. So Castro was then arrested in a McDonald's parking lot shortly after this the is not a good, This is not a good episode for fast food. I yeah. know. We got Burger King, McDonald's, 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 KFC. But it is making me hungry though. Yeah, very hungry. I could go for some Taco next, Bell. Next I was going to say, get... thank God our Taco Bell has not been I know, right? I know. implicated in this. That's where the trial was. So. <laughs> right. In the parking lot of a Taco Bell. Uh, they Taco set up Bell. trial. Oh my gosh. Um, Sponsor so, us. I would love it if Taco Bell sponsored us. That'd be great. He was charged with four counts of kidnapping, three counts of rape, and only three. Only three counts of rape. One for each girl. Like, (laughs) yeah, I know, right? Which they do carry prison sentences of 10 years to life in Ohio. They should have been like, estimate how many times he had sex with you. And he's charged with 250 counts of rape. There you go. I think that's how some states actually do do it. Yeah, that's because that's what it is. I think that's, I can't remember if Nevada is like that or not, but I do know how some states actually do that. Okay, yeah, I thought Nevada was like that. We're Wild West like that. We're what? Yeah, truly. So we have to be wild, wild. (laughs) We're like, let's go, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, for real. So two of Castro's brothers were taken into custody initially, but were later released after police announced that they didn't have any involvement in the kidnappings. Castro, he his bail was set at $2 million per kidnapping charge. So that was a total of $8 million. Which he totally had because he was going to leave it to the women. Yeah, he was going to leave Oh my gosh, right. Uh, God. <laughs> they intended, though, initially to seek the death penalty against Castro. There were also other charges that were like reported pending, including like aggravated murder for the intentional induction of like the miscarriages, attempted murder, assault, a charge for each instance of rape. So it was there. Those were just pending and a kidnapping charge for each day each captive was held. So do the math on that one from 2002 to 2013, you know, essentially. Yeah. On May 14th, Castro's attorneys said that he would plead not guilty to all charges if indicted for kidnapping and rape. A grand jury returned a true bell of indictment on June 7th, and it contained 329 counts total, including two counts of aggravated murder for his role in the miscarriages. I don't like that. And the pregnancies. You don't like that? I don't like that because part of me is like, good given murder, but... Mm-hmm. I do not believe that life starts at conception. Life starts at birth. So Fair. it can't, you can't murder a fetus. Right. But right, I guess yeah. I understand the argument that if they were going to keep the baby yeah. and it, it, had, it was like in the third trimester, then I could maybe understand that argument that it's viable. Yeah. But if it miscarried in the first, even second trimester, like it's not viable, it's not murder. Unpopular right. opinion, probably in a case like this. But I think it sets right. a precedent well, I for just the think, other side. I just think they want to. Yes. Cover him with absolutely, charges. which I yeah. get, but it sets a precedent that is not good. Yeah. And uh it should be noted too, like these indictments only cover the years of two thousand and two to 2007 he stated that the investigation was ongoing and that any further findings would be presented like to the grand jury and that pursuing a death penalty would be considered following completion of like indictment proceedings so but how 
What? Go on. How can you have a death penalty if no one's dead? What? Well, they're considering some of it. Yeah, the aggravated murder. As murder. murder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are considering some of it as aggravated murder. I mean, I don't believe in the death penalty anyway, so but I get it. Yeah, I mean, so, I believe in it because it happens, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, see, oh, yeah. but that's it's not, not, like, not like Santa uh, Claus. Okay. I think he's a. Tw- <laughs> I can't believe that we just compared death penalty to Santa Claus. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, <laughs> I believe in it. I Those just don't magical beings. <laughs> I like. I get that he's like so atrocious. So like, fucking. But like, yeah. If the death penalty is for murder, I'm sorry. It's just you're just. It just isn't. It just isn't. It's correct. It's not, it's not always for murder. Any, I know. I, I mean, it, I think it should be for rapists. Honestly, just kill rapists. I think Fair. it should be an even system, but it's not. Oh, well, that's really fucking well, true. That's a whole... But you yeah. know, Anastasia, that white men just can't catch a break. They can't. And <laughs> it's a you very know, difficult Life is so hard for them. <laughs> it is so hard. Oh okay. I not. I've I've had to hear like how hard it is for white male actors lately. You know, oh I God. so hard for them. Jesus. So it wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until July when presented with more and further charges and evidence that a grand jury finally returned a true bill of health for the remainder of the period after 2007. So 2007 to 2012, I think. It ended up bringing a total of 977 counts, 512 counts of kidnapping, 446 of rape, 7 of gross sexual imposition, 6 of felony assault, 3 of child endangerment, 2 of aggravated murder, and 1 of possession of criminal tools. And then he ended up pleading... I know. Yeah, I'm like, what does I'm, that mean? I'm not sure. I think it was due to the like the like the stringing up and like the those things and yeah, so like, like torture. Yeah, torture exactly. Criminal. Exactly. Tools. So he actually ended up pleading not guilty to the expanded indictment and faced death penalty by legal injection, lethal injection. Legal <laughs> injection. Legal injection. No. <laughs> he died legally. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> He did plead guilty. Inject me with like uh, you know law and order right with here. With the law, yeah. It's li- oh god, suits in one arm, law and order in the other. Oh my god, let's go. <laughs> so he he pled guilty though eventually on July twenty sixth though to nine hundred thirty seven of the nine hundred and seventy seven charges against him. Um, he really those, was nitpicking this shit. Oh my like, gosh! Like truly was like he's you like, did mm, it. Okay, he's like, but I didn't one, do it on a Tuesday. This one, <laughs> I know, right? Like I just imagine him going through this one, this one, this one, checking all the boxes. Like God, God. let so, me check my diary. Yeah, exactly. This this was a part of a plea bargain, though, which called for consecutive sentences of life in prison plus a thousand years, all without parole. Under the plea deal, too, Castro forfeited his right to appeal and could not profit in any way due to his crimes. So they put that stipulation in there as well. He also forfeited, yeah, he forfeited his assets, including his house, <laughs> which the bank was which, already coming for. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And then prosecutors said that the house would be demolished. The judge told Castro that, he, so he said, you will not be getting out. Is that clear? To which Castro responded, I do understand that, Your Honor. He also made comments about his like addiction to pornography, his sexual problem, but was cut off in that by the judge who said issues like that could be discussed in the August 1st sentencing hearing and then all this stuff. Judge like, don't care, next. He's like, I do not care, (laughs) moving on. Yeah. Correct. A law firm representing the three women released a statement that the three women were relieved by the plea and that they were satisfied by this resolution to the case and are all looking forward to having those legal proceedings finally closed. Castro was sentenced to his consecutive life terms plus a thousand years without any possible of parole. He was also fined a hundred thousand dollars. Which he totally had. Yeah, right. 
at his $18.91 an hour job. The court forfeited all of his property and assets to the government before his sentencing. Castro like addressed the court too for nearly 20 minutes. He just kept saying like he was a good person. He wasn't a monster, <laughs> but that he was addicted to sex and pornography. And this is the, this is the so best part. So go and online. He, yeah, is, there are but, other people. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. But so... So he was addicted to sex and pornography and he had practiced the art of masturbation at a young age. Ew. Welcome to life. <laughs> right, right, same. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Um he also We've all practiced. He had- I know, right? <laughs> I don't want to say how many times I've practiced, but We don't need to, but you know. <laughs> exactly. We're not being indicted. <laughs> Correct. Oh so Castro also like he claimed that he never beat or tortured the women and that he insisted that most of the sex that he had with them was consensual and then he kept shifting back and forth between apologizing and then blaming the fbi for failing to catch him as well as blaming his victims themselves for getting in a car with a stranger along with also he insisted to the court that he like when he had sex with them he discovered that they were not virgins first of all the 14 year old 20 bucks she was 20 bucks she yeah. fucking also she knew you you fucking cunt but right also, even if she wasn't like yeah fuck you also how would you you know bitch how would you know with your pencil dick like yeah right right exactly so and again like he would just get like he would shift didn't he also document this himself didn't he also document this in his suicide note that he did this is why i know that he's crazy fucking idiot right exactly right exactly also like he would just shift back and forth into like apologetic comments saying like i hope they can find it in their hearts to forgive give me no we had because this is the best part because i he said he said this is taken word for word i hope they can find in their hearts to forgive me because we had a lot of harmony going on in that home delusions Uh, yes i cannot it was so he was so clearly like delusional about all of this and just was so flippant and back and forth and it was yeah very very interesting and what a fucking idiot he's uh, so gross Right, right. So the victims themselves, or uh, the three women, also um, ended up like addressing the court as well. And Castro, Michelle Knight said, "You took eleven years of my life away. I spent eleven years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome all that has happened, but you will face hell for eternity." I will live on. You will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. Yeah, bitch. Correct. And she was right because the three women really did end up thriving after this. They really were active in their recovery and then in support of other victims as well. Jointly after all of this, they ended up like releasing a video statement thanking the public for their support. Like an attorney for the women said that they all still have a strong desire for privacy and didn't wish to speak to the media at this time about their ordeal. There was a a Cleveland Courage Fund, which is a bank account that was set up for the women to help in their transition into like independent life. And it actually had ended up collecting approximately like almost a little over a million dollars at the time of the video's release. Before Amanda Berry's disappearance too, her grandfather had promised to give her a classic Chevy Monte Carlo built in the year that she was born cute and he he kept that car after her kidnapping he held on to it this made me tear up just a little bit just now he held on to that car after she got kidnapped in case she was ever found alive and he still had it for her when she was released cute beautiful beautiful thing you know so the women themselves they ended up, like I said, thriving. They did so. Because women survive. That's what correct. Yeah. 
correct. They wrote books. They wrote books about their stories. They ended up also, um, I think it's, it was Michelle Knight and Gina De Jesus ended up doing a charity together. Amanda Berry wrote a book as well, a memoir. The three of them wrote one together. So they really shared their story after that. There was also a couple of films that were done. One of them was a Lifetime film done in 2015. And then there was like a documentary that was put out in 2021. So I just think it was really cool. And then they also were really active in like survival groups and really kind of pushing out their the their story so that they could help others in that and then that's exactly what they did so castro was found hanging from a bed sheet in his detention cell at the correctional facility in 2013 only one month into his life sentence. That's unfortunate. I fully agree with you. He was 53 at the time of his death. Prison staff did try to resuscitate, but they were unsuccessful. The following day, the coroner announced that a preliminary autopsy had found the cause of of death to be suicide by hanging, and he was later cremated. Uh, It would have been better if he was cremated alive. I'm just kidding. Right, right. I mean, just everything that they had put together. This part is really interesting to me. So on October 10th, so a little after a month after he died, there was the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Corrections. So their corrections department facility or whatever released Mm -hmm. a report that actually suggested that Castro may have died accidentally from autoerotic asphyxiation rather than suicide. They swiftly... Well, he was addicted to sex. The... Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So... His celly didn't want to, like, help him out. It's just like... I know, You got yourself into the situation. You get yourself out. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) But thankfully, the coroner vehemently denied that and stood by her ruling of suicide. The report also said that two prison guards had actually falsified logs documenting their observation of Castro hours before he was found dead. He was also not on suicide watch at the time of his death, but he had been subjected to routine checks every 30 minutes just due to his notoriety in general. All available evidence pointed to suicide. So there we were. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't care what it was. I'm just glad he's dead. Yeah, what a piece of shit. Right, right. I mean, it would have been nice to torture him for years, but you know, whatever. I would have liked for him to have become an unwilling jailhouse girlfriend of a big man named Bubba. Yeah, I would have loved a date rape Stanley scenario for the rest of his life. Absolutely. Most of Castro's family members too disowned him and they like denounced his actions and apologized to the victims and their families. In 2014, in January, his nephew was actually arrested for and charged with 22 counts related to child pornography. And then um, that also included 21 counts of pandering, like sexually oriented matter involving a minor and one count of possessing a criminal tool so these criminal tools this is like the first time i've heard of this like criminal <laughs> tool thing i know like, right I, like what this must be an ohio thing i've never heard of like what right. could be a criminal tool now i'm looking around i'm like do i have any criminal tools? anything i think i think it's <laughs> it's things used to torture i think that's Oh, as opposed yeah. to like, yeah, I exactly. because anything could be like a criminal I know. I'm like you could walk yeah. into the pleasure chest and be like, all these criminal tools, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, exactly. You could walk so, into the Home Depot, all these criminal, all tools. these criminal tools, right? Just, I mean, ugh, right, I, exactly. So I'm glad they got the sponsor. What the 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 nephew early enough? It seems. Yeah. Right, right. Because left alone to his own devices, what could have happened? You know? Yeah, that would have escalated. So that is where we. Right, exactly. And that's where we are with the case. 
Castro is dead. The women are currently thriving. I couldn't find much information about the daughter, but from what I, what I know based on my research, they really tried to shelter her away and just live a very, very private life. So Amanda Barry really controlled her narrative in that sense. So, which I appreciate. And yeah, the women are doing really good right now as best can be given the situation that they were in. So I think that that's just a really cool. Yeah. Beautiful thing. And there we are. Well, so that see, you lucked Castro. out, Anastasia. Your your kidnapping could have been much worse and much. I longer. know it could have been. I mean, yeah. I mean, in terms of kidnappings, yours was quite lovely. <laughs> I always say it was the Diet Coke of kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> Just one calorie. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, Listen, okay. I wasn't full fatting it. <laughs> <laughs> Do <laughs> you have anything coming up? You're taking a break after I Comic-Con? never have anything going on. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, right. It's like, girl, I see anyone you on fo- Instagram. Yeah, anyone following you on Insta knows that's not I don't true. Yeah. All I do is sit around eating bonbons every day. That's me. I that's wish. my life. I know. What is a bonbon anyway? Um, <laughs> Some kind I want one now. Thing. I guess that'll be like the end of convention season, but we will have Serial Killer uh, is making episodes again, so that's always good yes. that we're being more consistent. Yes, check out um, her podcast, Serial Killer, Serial Like what you eat yeah um and not the dude one so if you start listening to it and there's dudes yeah. on it it's not us um oh, gross. <laughs> i yeah, yeah no i did do that i saw that and yeah. i was like this isn't it yeah no we're the other one uh <laughs> we talk about murder and cereal they just talk about cereal so yeah very okay <laughs> okay yeah um we're glad to glad to share the space with anybody no we're not take them down i'm just kidding <laughs> slowly i'm a scorpio <laughs> i can do it slowly and covertly <laughs> right right <laughs> uh yeah i i'm sure there's other stuff going on i just don't know off the top of my head uh right. but yeah listen to serial killer um we'll have some christmas cereals that we'll be trying which i'm sure will be so Ooh. pleasant Perfect. how can we follow find you? follow you on instagram oh and you can yeah. follow me at anastasia wash on instagram Perfect. um my link tree slash anastasia wash has all the stuff going on with me as well anastasiawashington.com i think that's it go. all the things you can find that's me funny. at like target usually <gasps> i love target so much yeah, me too. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the pod. We always love having you. Oh, I love um, being on it. Thank you, guys. And for everyone, like, subscribe, download, whatever the kids say these days, and join us next week for another episode of Criminal Gines. Bussin. Bussin. <laughs>